Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers and professional nappy changers. Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, fabulous listeners. It's Shana here from Twinkle Talks EYFS, and we have got a super special episode for you guys today. I am joined by the wonderful Julia and Louise from our CPD team, and I tell you, they get more hilarious the more they come on, honestly. But before we get into it, let's have a look at what hilarious things you guys have been up to in only in the EYFS. This week, and only in the EYFS. We've received breaking news from a five-year-old in Lisa Smith's class. You won't believe what I've just been through, they stated. Well, you've just come out of the toilet, little one. I think we can guess what's come out of you. Look, Holly, it's a toe bogey from one of the children in Holly's class, describing a bit of fluff between one of their toes. I felt dirty just saying that one. After being reminded to go back and wash their hands after the toilet, a boy in Sarah's class muttered, My daddy doesn't wash his hands after he's had a wee. Handovers just got a little bit grosser. That's it for this episode. Tune in next time for more antics in only in the EYFS. Wow, I, I'm really relating to uh, this week's only in the EYFS kids. Yes, I'm, I feel you guys. I feel you. <laughs> well, uh, after that, let's see if we can jump straight in with Lulia, as they so lovingly want to be called, and today we're talking all about nurturing curiosity in our EYFS settings. Let's go and take a listen. Hi, welcome back, Lulia. That's Julia and Louise from our wonderful CPD team here at Twinkle. It's been so long, guys. How has the beginning of 2023 been for you? Oh, very exciting. That, just, that was terrible. That was not convincing <laughs> at all. January is a horrific month. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. January is a hard month. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's not been great. However, no. oh. the snowdrops are starting to come out. Oh. That's terrible news. What? Why? All oh, the snowdrops as <laughs> flowers. I thought you meant actual snow. I was like, oh, no. Snowdrops? No. Like snow like, we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> the sign of hope and spring coming that's fine i love a snowdrop this is great positive energy i love it catkins are out the what now oh no pussy willow is out and be careful what you say this is a family podcast (laughs) i ain't got no pussy willows coming out here spring is on its way okay that's what you mean got it got it i mean very positive and days are getting longer right they are it's a minute a day apparently isn't it something like that i will take that minute (laughs) yes every minute counts right and we've got you guys. I know people are very much looking forward. You, you're like little celebrities, by the way, can I just say. Aww. People look forward to hearing about you than they do about me. I'm like, hello, <laughs> this is my podcast. But no, 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 Lulia are on. Sweet. They tune in. So tell <laughs> us, what subject are you going to enlighten us today with? Ooh, we're talking about curiosity. We're curious about being curious. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. 
<laughs> but I've heard this saying or this phrase about curiosity mm-hmm. a lot and I'm not really I wanted to explore it because I'm not sure I'm really caught up on what it actually means so in terms of let's get stuck in what does it what does it mean so before we start we should approach the elephant in the room which is there is something called the curiosity approach right that's what I've heard yeah so that is a program but it's based on developing and nurturing children's curiosity So we've done some work on curiosity in general and how to help encourage and nurture that curiosity. So it's not the same thing, but they're based on the same kind of ideas and what you want children to develop. Because we want very curious children because curiosity is basically all about having a strong desire to know more Mm -hmm. and explore. So that's what curiosity is. Lovely. So there is a curiosity approach. That's not what we're talking about, but we're talking (laughs) about where that came from and other things to do with that root idea. Yes? Did I get yes. it right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I've been practicing that in my head, like, <gasps> don't say the wrong thing. Okay, cool. So I suppose it's a pretty obvious question, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why is curiosity in early years so important? Children's curiosity is so, so important for their own development and their own learning. So we always base things on children's interests and their interest comes from their curiosity about things. You know, for example, dinosaurs, they're so curious about dinosaurs, Mm. you know, what they look like, all their different names. I mean, their curiosity is the thing pushing their interests and that is what helps them to explore and learn about the world around them and so many different subjects. So curiosity is so, so important and it's important how we help support that curiosity and we help nurture it. I love it. I love it. It sounds really simple when you say it, but I suppose it's it's natural. That's why I don't think about it, I guess, because like you say, in early years, it's a very natural thing. We're always, we're, we're constantly asking our children to be curious, aren't we? Like, what do you think this is? How do you think this is going to work? Like, it's just something that we do quite naturally anyway, isn't it? Yeah. And it's important to think about also, as they start getting older, what structures come in. And some of these things can sometimes make curiosity a little bit harder because for example you're learning about one subject and they're asking something else and I think early as practitioners are very good at following that interest and that Mm. question but sometimes when they go higher up in school that's something that they're like we don't have time for that right now Mm. so it's kind of talking about how we can include and encourage their curiosity as much as possible yeah and I know you've touched on it a little bit obviously it's something that's quite natural to children but why is why is nurturing that curiosity specifically in education settings like you know asking those questions listening to the children feeding off of what they're curious about why is why is that so important because there's there's so many benefits for children as well I mean that helps them build their confidence as well exploring what they're curious about as they develop skills and it's also so important that they have that fascination and awe and wonder with the world outside them that keeps them wanting to learn Mm. I think if we stamp down that curiosity that's where Things can get a little bit sad. I know that Lou and I were talking about why it's important to stay curious and there's lots of things that can benefit them. And if they don't get that curiosity, then sometimes those doors can be closed a little bit. I don't know if you want to talk about it. Yeah, so children are obviously naturally born curious. I think they want to interact with the world around them. Everything's new, everything's exciting. They want to point, they want to touch. They've just got this natural desire to learn and um, figure things out for themselves. And when they're doing that, they're actually developing their perseverance and their resilience Mm. with things. You see a child that's really, 
really engage with something that's really of interest to them. And they they can attend to that for such a long time. Mm. Um, and if that's not nurtured, then children start to sort of, they don't investigate maybe as much. They don't wonder as much. They don't question things as much. They just sort of take them as they see them. And I think as adults, we we become less curious mm. because you you sort of think you know how something works so you don't think to explore it in the same way as a child probably would so naturally sometimes curiosity can actually decrease and that might be you know children's awareness of rules and social expectation um, they start to take less risks they can conform more to what what is going on around them yeah and that sort of that not being as willing to experiment with things so it's our role as practitioners to really drive that desire to discover and to find out and to question the world around them and we can do that as practitioners but we can also think about the environment and how the environment um, is quite an important factor in that to create and keep awe and wonder alive but why is that so important I'm gonna like really like get into it now ladies you said all these things about curiosity, about, you know, it's important to keep that awe and wonder, to keep that exploration, to keep that questioning, etc. Why are those skills so important? Why do we need those skills? If you think about learning as an adult, why do you actually want to learn anything? Right. That's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's really you're learning because you're curious about something and you want to find out more. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from building on those skills. If a child is to say, oh, you know, why does a lion roar? And as an adult, you're just like, "Mm, don't know, just going to leave that one. And a big difference between that and, oh, who knows, to, I'm not sure, how could we find out? Like Mm. you're actually developing a process as well and helping them develop those skills of how they can use their curiosity in everyday life. Because you think about there's so many things in the world that we still don't know. And if you don't get to build those skills when you're younger, then, I mean, your learning will not be the same and the learning process and your development won't be the same but if we nurture those things and say oh what could we do to find out I wonder if other animals are like this you know where does that animal live do they all make noises do we know any animals that make noise I mean there's so many routes you could go down but it's a big difference between opening that up and closing it down for children's own you know excitement about learning their feelings towards what they're actually doing and their everyday process like their involvement their well-being their energy you know their perseverance to find out so many huge benefits for them being curious stunning following on from what julia just said that if um if you respond to a child in that way they're actually feeling that what they're wondering about is is of value mm-hmm. um so actually just being an active listener and really responding to a child and their interests is going to make them feel that actually, oh, that wasn't a silly thing to wonder, that actually, Mm -hmm. oh, we can find that out together or I'm going to go and find out for myself. So it's about valuing that child's natural curiosity as well. Mm. I think as you guys were talking, it kind of really resonated with me the importance of curiosity as a like a life skill Mm -hmm. not just so that you know curiosity as you guys have said is really useful to nurture children's learning but at the same time curiosity is what's going to change the world Mm 
Mm-hmm. That sounds really strange, but let me explain what I mean. We, you know, the reason we're in classrooms, the reason that we are teachers is because we are nurturing the next generation, right? And there are things that are going on in this world that need to be improved. For example, we've got the cost of living crisis. We've got climate change. We've got, you know, all sorts of conflicts going on in different countries, et cetera, et cetera. And the only way that we are going to make the world better is by being inspired, being curious by looking at different ways to solve problems. Because if we had the answers, we'd be doing it right now, wouldn't we? And that's where early years comes in, or not even in early years, I think education as a whole, it's about, well, okay, let's inspire the next leaders, let's inspire the next generation to think of their own ideas to solve these problems, because clearly we don't have the answers. So we need to leave it to them. And the reason curiosity plays such a, a big role in that is because, like you say, we don't know what the end result is. If we did, we'd have done stuff by now. But these children could have the answers. And the only way that they can make the world a better place is if we allow them to be curious, to explore, to find things, to experiment and to nurture that. And I think when you were saying, Lou, about, you know, of course, there are going to be massive detriments to the children's, like you say, mental health if we don't nurture curiosity. But I do, I know I'm getting like proper out there now, but I do think it's actually doing the world a disservice as well. Because if we're just putting children through the education system like it's a factory, everyone does the same thing. They are told this, they leave with that. What is that giving to the world? It's not giving anything. But actually what our children can give if we nurture curiosity in them is going to benefit the world as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Did, did I just see your brains go? Yeah, I mean, I was I, that's... <laughs> captivated by what you were saying, Shana. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I love curiosity. And I think that we should all be a lot more curious. Like I agree. For example, just the other day I was thinking, where's toothpaste? Right. What is this stuff that we're putting on our teeth? And, you know, I've seen that these tablets are coming out and those are more eco-friendly and people are talking about what's in your toothpaste. I'm like, yeah, yes, I have absolutely no idea what's in this stuff that I put on my teeth apps every day. And that's just about being curious. And someone was curious enough to be like, there might be a better way. Yeah. And and for, for me, this year, Brussels sprouts didn't grow so well. Mm. Mine didn't either. Oh. But And I was like, well, why? So because I was naturally curious and I thought I'm going to I'm going to see whether I can figure this out. You know, I've done some research, I've read up on it, talked to people. But if I just took it as, oh, well, they didn't grow very well, it you know, doesn't matter. I'll try again next year. Actually, I've I've learned a lot. So I'll put those things into trying again next year and not giving up not just right and then next year me and julia are going to come over to your house and obviously have christmas dinner because you're going to have brussels sprouts cracking eat your amazing brussels yeah (laughs) they will be the best brussels sprouts do you know what i can't wait see look we're already making christmas plans and it's january i love it um but you know do you see my point like i know it's a bit out there and far-fetched and of course it's really important to look at the child and the benefits of curiosity for the child like you say there's so many about their mental health their value but also there's such big learning skills that, like you say, they can take into what, uh, whatever subject they are learning. But then after that, they're taking it into work. They're inventing things. I mean, the reason we've got the wheel is because someone thought, hang on a minute, walking. Nah. They were curious. Yeah, they were curious. <laughs> How can I get this quicker to my cave? I don't know when the wheel was invented. I just thought it was a caveman. Um, it's not a history podcast. <laughs> no, shh, don't, don't tell Twinkle history. They'll, they'll have me for that. Um, but, you know, and things like we're putting a rocket in space. 
Like the only reason we're doing that is because someone was curious about what was up there. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really underpins everything. It underpins everything. And I think, like you say, if we get that as early as we can, like children are naturally curious because as soon as they are born, they're like, oh my God, where am I? What is this? What What am I like (laughs) over Christmas? I went to see two of my friends and they've just had babies. So one's got a three month old and one's got a nine month old. And the three-month-old has literally just discovered that she's got feet. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. She was just in her mum's lap, staring at her feet like, what the hell are these? And she doesn't know how to use them yet, but they're moving. And it's the funniest thing. And, you know, you can even see as a baby there, she's exploring. Or if I move, or if I try and do something with my brain, what does my leg do? So it's like you say, it's that innate skill. They've already, they're born with it. But if we nurture that, like, imagine what our world could be like, yeah. you know? It's super cool. I think parents are always surprised at all the questions that their kids come up with. Right. Actually, we stopped asking those questions when we get a bit older. I mean, to each other, definitely. We're not just, you know, asking out loud, why is the sky blue? Just randomly. But, I mean, they're still important questions to discuss. Absolutely. So championing that, really. Yeah, right. I feel like we're the curiosity champions right now. No silly questions. Exactly. Right. And this is what I say, because, you know, I go into schools as well and do phonics training and stuff as well. I always say there's no such thing as a silly question. I say it to the staff. I say it to my kids. There's no such thing. It's not, you know, it's is what it is. Let's let's work it out together. Let's have fun and let's be open and honest about what we don't know because that's okay too. We can't know everything. And I think having a plan for if you find there's a really good question, you're like, oh, we can't talk about that right now, but I love that question. Let's write it down. Let's come yes. back to it. That's also a really nice way to not lose that curiosity. Just think we don't have time for that right now because that's what can happen a lot every day. You're right. You're right. So in terms of like what curiosity would look like in a in an early year setting, are there any uh, perhaps maybe learning approaches that have like curiosity at its center that might help practitioners sort of, you know, use it more? Yeah, so the training um, CPD that Julia and I have been working on to do with curiosity, we've looked at various approaches that value and nurture curiosity. So we'll have a look at some of those, if that's okay. Yes, please. So the first one is the Reggio Emilia approach. And that approach really sees children as curious individuals. And I, when I think about this approach, I just think this is this is what we do in early years. This is this is every day because we're putting children in the driving seat. They're allowed to have that freedom of expression. They are the leaders of their learning, really. And I think that's what we all hold true in early years. Um, So it's led by children's curiosity of the world around them. And really, the Reggio approach is about nurturing that child to be the active participants in their growth and their learning. So thinking about constructing their own learning, thinking of their own interests, following their own inquiries. And I think that's where the flexibility in early years allows for that because it is around the child. The curriculum sort of goes with the child's interests. So yeah, so that's one of the approaches that we've been looking at. And I think the outcome of that is really that the approach looks at how children all express their interests 
in their own way, in their own unique way. So it might be through dance or drama or spoken word or through just how they're interacting with something. So um, the Reggio Emilia approach talks about children demonstrating their curiosity in a hundred languages, which is about the expression of how children um, it would express their curiosity. I love that. A hundred languages. And that's like not literal languages, is it? It's like you say, the language of dance, the language of movement, the language of how you express it. I love it. Love yeah, it. Such a great yeah. quote. So that's, that, so that's one of the approaches. And I think Julia is now going to talk about the Montessori approach. <gasps> so the Montessori one also supports curiosity so much. It really highly values it. And a lot of their work is since it's child-led and child-centered. Again, it's a around the child what they're interested in and following them and encouraging them to explore their interests and really be led by their curiosity and they prioritize a lifelong love of learning which is what we were talking about it's not just for early years it's for life Mm. we all want to be a learner for a long time and we never want that to disappear and that's something in in early years we really really want to support and one of the things which I think is really nice is they want children to be comfortable with saying I don't know because I think that gets a bit difficult at some point because you're expected to know a lot of things, especially something you've been taught. And it's just kind of like sometimes we're expecting children to have an answer for everything. And it's just really nice to just feel comfortable saying I don't know and exploring that and exploring it together. It doesn't have to be like, well, you go find out. It can be a journey that you can go on together or as a group. And that can be really nice and very memorable as well when you explore something with other people and you're curious with others as well. So that's really nice. Thinking of it as an overall learning process. And having the time as well. Yeah. The time to explore it, I think, yeah. is really, really important. It, it's just, it's bringing back, you know, when you're saying, oh, you know, the I don't know thing. I was just, as soon as you said that, I was thinking back to like my nursery and uh, reception classes and you could see even from a young age three years old if you asked them a question and they didn't know the answer you could see on their face oh my gosh I don't know the answer I'm in trouble Mm -hmm. and I was like it's okay you can tell me if you don't know it's okay so they learned that very 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 young I, I remember spending a lot of my time uh as a teacher saying it's okay if you don't know just tell me and then I can help you You know, I don't expect you to know all the answers. So that must be, I don't know, a cultural thing or uh, something that just happens to us as children that we're supposed to know. Yeah, a lot of the adults, not necessarily early as practitioners, because we know, you know, we've studied it a lot and we really love this sort of kind of process of curiosity. But maybe other adults, I think when they're not sure what to ask children, they almost want to ask them a question that they will know the answer to to make them feel good you know like what is the shape like kind of simple response ones so it's not an open question and after a while children get used to oh I should really know the answer actually and start to feel a bit anxious or worried that they don't and yeah that is really difficult and it's something to address and what's really nice to do is to demonstrate that we don't know everything absolutely I think that's so important because maybe a lot of adults don't model that and it's Mm. so important to say you know I don't know the answer to this. How could I find out more? Or it's okay that I don't know, but I wonder what I could do next. And that's just really, really important because you don't see it that often. No. I mean, in society, politics, everyone pretends they know everything. Oh, yes. (laughs) On social media, especially. (laughs) Exactly. So it's not modelled. A lot of people saying, 
I was wrong or mm. I don't know, you know, mm. those sort of things. So it's really important for us to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that also brings up another point about why curiosity is so important, because again, it's not sometimes always about the end result, about what you get out of it. It's that process, because there are going to be things in life that children come across that they do not know. I mean, we do it every day. I have, to be honest, guys, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing today. All right. But we're, we're rolling with it. And look at this amazing conversation that we're having. It's having that curiosity. It's being open and actually teaching children not how to be curious, but how to nurture that and how to follow it through. Being like, right, okay, so I'm curious about this. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. Am I going to go and find it out or am I going to leave it? Am I going to go and ask someone? Am I going to go and experiment myself? Am I going to seek something out that shows me? Am I going to do, you know, X, Y, Z? So it's like you say, even though the skill of being curious is innate, we as practitioners as well have that responsibility of teaching them how to nurture that and how to... Having a little toolkit, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I love it. A curiosity toolkit. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And giving those, giving them those tools, because then that also makes them independent learners as well, exactly. which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. And then when they get, you know, become adults they're going to be, you know, really well equipped for whatever job, whatever life path they take, right? Definitely, definitely. I'm getting well into this, guys. I'm liking this conversation. I'm loving it. We get deep, we get deep. Um, so we've got all these ideas. We we understand why it's important. And I'm feeling really inspired now. Yay. So I know, right? Go, you guys. Inspiration. Uh, woohoo. Um, <laughs> what could I do in the classroom? What can I do in my setting in terms of my interactions or the resources or the environment that I make for my children? What can I do to nurture that curiosity? Yeah, the environment is so, so important. And as we probably have heard before, it's the third teacher in a way. And it's something to reflect on regularly. And I think that even if you look at it yourself and you don't feel that inspired, it's a sign to really think, okay, what can I do to really help encourage children's own curiosity? So thinking about their interests, building on those and using resources to help that and also introduce new things. Because I mean, sometimes you're curious about things, but you've only seen a small amount in your life. So there might be lots of other things that you'll be curious about, but you need to introduce them a little bit and let them explore that themselves. So think about what open-ended resources there are and also, are there places for collaborative learning or investigation? And how often do you rotate resources? How do you arrange them? Is it kind of, because sometimes we can get a little bit stuck and that's so normal because the job is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And it's just something to, sometimes it can be nice to really come together as a team and really discuss, you know, what is it? Have we always just had this one set of resources in this one place what can we do here to really inspire children and change that up and so I think regularly reflecting is really really important and also how you use natural materials because sometimes a lot of color can be overstimulating for children and so just like pairing that back so that children have a calming environment to focus on their curiosity because if there's lots going on sometimes it's hard to then hone in on what they're really interested in so that can be nice and also hands-on exploration like lots of things that they can really get involved in think about how children use certain resources are they using it all in the same way or are there lots of ways to use those resources so we talk about affordances a little bit with loose parts and that was all about if you've got one thing such as a stick it can be so many different things so try and think about how can this resource be used is it always you know a car is it always the same or have we got different kind of resources they can use in lots of different ways 
and also like provocations and invitations to really excite them. So maybe think about, you know, once a week or something like, oh, what can I really introduce this week? That could be really, really exciting. Like, and I think that's nice thing about experiments you can do together and really like get the awe and wonder back in your back in your setting. Or putting unusual items with other items. Yeah. So you're layering. Oh, yeah. oh, Lou, we're getting a bit of layering in there. I like <laughs> it. I like it. It's true. When you see two things together, you're like, oh, those together. That's blowing yeah. my mind a little bit. <laughs> You know, I used to have this book that I used to read to the kids and it was uh, mixed up fairy tales oh, and it would be the nice. pages, but it was cut into three and it'd be like, oh, Goldilocks went to see the big bad wolf in so the nice. Sleeper Beauty's cast. And they would, it, it would absolutely drive them insane. They'd love it. <laughs> and they'd, you know, they'd try and mix up their own things. So even that in a story, like you say, if you did it with objects and stuff as well. Like, why not? Let's figure out some things. If you've seen a, a group of children playing with something really intently on one day in that area, move it to a different area so that they're experiencing mm-hmm. it and maybe moving on their learning. So I literally had that question when I went into a school last week um, to do training. And it was like, oh, I've always got the boys in the construction area and I can't get them out. That was also my problem. And she was like, oh, what should I do, Sean? And I said, shut the area. And she looked at me like, oh, what? And I was like, yeah, just shut the area. See what they can do. Obviously, you're not going to shut it forever. But you want to inspire because they've got into this habit. They know that they love the construction area. But like you say, they've got kind of to a, a point where they're not, you know, engaging or moving their learning on. So that doesn't mean like get rid of the toys or whatever the resources are in that area. Go and put them in. I said, have you tried putting pens on the trucks? Go and put the trucks in the writing area, stick the tr- uh, the pens on and just, just see what happens. Like, don't tell them anything. Just put, I said, put the construction tape over the entrance because it's a construction area. I said, just shut it and just say, oh, it's under construction today. We can't go there and watch what they do because that might be inspiring them to go and explore something else because I think sometimes... There are so, some settings might have the, the the blessing and curse of having too many resources or having too many areas. And like you said, that might be overwhelming. And we have this pressure of like, oh, no, we have to have every area open every day because they have to be able to make a choice. I would challenge that and say, actually, well, you've used your observations and you've seen uh, this group of children are always in this area. I want to challenge them and see if they can use their own exploration to try something else. I'm going to shut that for a day and see what happens. And you'd be surprised about what actually comes out of that. So I would say to practitioners as well, like, don't be afraid to take things away as well, because then if they've got things, they've introduced something new into the area, they can actually have more deep and meaningful experiences with it instead of having very short experiences with lots of things. It's kind of almost quality over quantity sometimes so sometimes I think it would also be about making that choice what do you think yeah I mean I, I, I'm a great believer in layering and moving things around and I, I think there's a really important aspect of rehearsal and going through a process with a resource that you need to repeat and you need to rehearse it and you need to experience it several times to enable that wonder and that curiosity to take a new journey but supporting that for children to really see further into it and in sort of go into a deeper level, moving things around and, like you say, maybe closing an area or moving the resources to a different place or pairing them up with something else or pairing them down in some way. They're definitely all good techniques for supporting hands-on exploration or the provocation. 
And like you say as well, every child learns differently and every child is going to experience the process of curiosity very differently as well. They're going to choose different processes. So like you say, change it up because it might not work for one child, but there's another child that actually is really benefited from that change. And is now they're now inspired to, to either look at something in a different way or do something different, which I think is exciting. And I think we touched on it a little bit, but the time you give children to do that in terms of mm. can they come back to something? Because I think that's something that's quite difficult in some settings. If oh, we're going to clear everything away. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you're only just getting going and what you're exploring and just thinking about how you could come back to things and how you can have kind of longer term projects that children can kind of get into. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges, isn't it? I think I definitely relate to that because if I had my own way, I would have child initiated learning the whole day. Because like you say, some children, it takes them an hour to even get into something. And then as soon as they've got into it, it's like, nope, sorry, we've got to stop and do phonics now. Or, you know, like whatever's on the timetable. And you just think, oh, no. So sometimes, yeah, time is is a bit of a challenge. And having areas of this is still under construction or coming back to, like, if you're thinking about block play, you don't want to clear that away, you know, every time when it gets to the end of the day or something. They might be just getting into having it set up in the way that they want to or they're thinking a process through so having it available in just the place where they've left it and that's okay to leave it out and have it for the next day rather than clearing all the blocks away and then they've got to restart the whole process again so leaving things out and leaving things open for for continuation of play is really valuable and I think that's that's the challenge isn't it making sure that your environment is set up to enable that to have things that don't have to be tidied away yeah it's I think it's a bit of a challenge because I was thinking about in a setting that I worked in as well when we had morning and afternoon in the nursery yeah actually how lovely would it be to inspire the afternoon nursery or the morning nursery by what they've done be like ooh, because they've never met those other children <laughs> yeah. and they always found that a very exciting possibility that there's other children when they saw their pegs you know yeah like, I'm sharing a peg with someone <laughs> their little minds like, that was just my peg <laughs> and then so to come and imagine you know they've constructed a zoo or something I mean that's inspiring to them as well like, wow and then adding to it and Mm. then the children coming back you know it can be a process I think the reality is I remember cleaners being very annoyed (laughs) like uh this needs to be tidy because I can't hoover yeah please just one more day (laughs) yeah I mean it's lovely isn't it I keep thinking like it feels very backwards to say that doesn't it like leave it out even my my I'm like oh my god but no I'll get in trouble yeah no we must tidy up but you're so right I mean if you think about it as well like when you're at work and you're given a project or something you don't know all the answers you don't complete the project in a day right you'll do a bit you'll go away you'll have dinner you'll sleep on it you'll come back to the next day and you'll feel refreshed and you'll have different ideas and we're not giving our children a chance to experience that either which is a bit backwards I'm like oh wait hang on a minute like we we can't do a project in a day we also need to do that in early years so I'm like oh but then again Julia as you said I'm thinking like I had a morning and afternoon nursery at one point as well and although it'd be lovely to have the afternoon children be inspired and carry on what they're doing I can already imagine my morning lot coming in the next day going who's ruined our block 
Fox. Why is it not what we've done? And like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things you have to juggle. But that's a fun conversation to have. Is it? Do you want to do it for me? Because I can already, I already know the children that are going to be on me. Oh, I, I know. But this is about collaboration now. Okay, mm. you've inspired other children. And what's really exciting is you don't know what they're going to do next. It is so much fun when you work together because when you work alone, you know, you know what you're doing and nothing's going to change. I mean, isn't that all about going to going to earlier settings? It's like, mm. oh, other people are touching toys that I thought were mine. Right. <laughs> it's like their little world has just opened up. And that's yeah. exactly what that is about. I think that's just such a fun conversation to have and you know to demonstrate, you know, this is my piece of paper. So does that mean that Miss Shana can't touch it ever? Yes. You know, like <laughs> we work together, but she can't touch my paper because it's mine, you know? <laughs> Is that the best way to move forward? <laughs> I agree. I like that. That's a, that's a very provocative conversation. I like it. I like it. It's like we're trying to... Uh, what's that film with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock? You've got mail. Is that it? Where they're in the same house, but they're in different times and they're sending letters to each other. Oh, I've never seen that film, but I have heard You've Got Mail. I need to watch it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's... I, to be fair, I haven't watched it either, but I think I've got... You know what, listeners, if you if you know the the, the, <laughs> the, the movie I'm talking about, you just just let me know because I'm <laughs> sure it's that where they're, they're, they're writing letters to each other and they're in different times, but... This sounds like a great film. Yeah, yeah I They live in the same house, yeah. but at different time zones and then they let they use the post box and they let oh, us... Yeah, I can't really remember. That I thought so you cute. got mail was a... An, an email one. An email one. Oh, darn. But you know what but I mean? I definitely know which film you're talking about. It sounds about. like a very cool film. <laughs> I love Keanu. Yeah. Pre- I mean, right, Keanu Reeves. But you know, this is the premise. Like, it kind of, I kind of feel like that's what we're doing. But we've got a couple of questions from our listeners now, which I think you'll be able to answer really, really well. Uh, the first one is, what happens if we've got children who perhaps struggle with being curious? Or for example, you know, you might have children who have a form of autism and that imagination aspect, that process is really difficult. How do we support children being curious in that way? So I think one of the key things is thinking about how the role of the practitioner can support developing curiosity with children. So I would suggest being a curious play partner. Oh, elaborate please, madam. (laughs) Thinking about your own curiosities and taking time to explore them alongside children or seeing what somebody's doing or what they're interacting with and then taking in a curious way of some kind. So if say, they're fascinated with wheels or cars, thinking about introducing something that you can model some curiosity type play. Maybe it's developing some kind of ramps into your vehicle area just to explore how the cars move and maybe placing material over the the ramps. I'm just thinking of ideas here off the top of my head but <laughs> yeah but just playful learning alongside is a key role of a practitioner I think in developing all sorts of play but developing curiosity it works really effective if if you sort of be playful and curious yourself and then obviously the alongside that's modeling curiosity thinking of I wonder I wonder what that does or I wonder how we could explore that together so not saying this is this and this is how we're going to play with it, sort of posing that question and keeping it as open as possible. And I would say open-ended questions all the time rather than short one answer, yes, no type questions where 
the response is quite limited. So things, for example, of tell me what you see, tell me what you think, or I wonder what that might do. So keeping it really open so that children can sort of make their own discoveries and make connections between things. I'm going to put a spanner in the works here now. What happens if I have a child who does not understand the concept of open questions? Because I've had this. They just don't understand. And sometimes they need those closed questions to be able to break down and process things that happen. How how can we support those children? Well, I think having a mix of questions, you know, yeah. I'm not advocating taking out all of the other questions. But of course. I would go from their interests. If they're interested in animals, then you go from that and you ask them, tell me what you know or tell me about this elephant or something before you then lead into maybe a more of an open type question. So, of course, some children are and adults are very factual, want to give you the facts. And I think the importance is recognising that and sort of accepting that for that child is is what they need in that moment before you try and open it up a bit more. So I would say tailoring it to that child, recognising that they are needing those type of closed questions and then supporting them with maybe taking their interest and Mm. opening it up a bit more yeah Yeah, it's like you know like you say using a choice card or a pex thing isn't it it's like I mean we're teaching children how to be curious anyway so you're saying oh what happens if well you could give them a choice shall we push it or shall we pull it Mm -hmm. shall we open it shall we close it and that's still giving them choices even though it's closed but for that child that's what they need because an open question might be just too much we're still exploring curiosity but we're just like you say we're tailoring it to that child and just making those processes a little bit smaller those steps a bit smaller yeah Yeah. and obviously you can ask an open question but they don't need to answer it there's no Mm -hmm. pressure is there you Mm -hmm. can just say I wonder what would happen if that and that or, or we did that with that toy or we use that to make that work or something mm-hmm. you don't you're not requiring them to answer you're just wondering and then you could always model exploring that and that's the first start isn't it that's becoming your curious play partner and collaboration and co-construction with children perfect love it love it <laughs> thank you this is a good question technology do you think the amount of technology that children have access to at this stage is a hindrance to curiosity. And I get where this is coming from here. So for example, oh, I don't know about what you just said. Um, let's, let's go and find out together. Child responds, yeah, let's Google it. Alexa, hmm. do you think technology is a hindrance to curiosity or a help? I think it kind of depends on the context sometimes. Like if you say that's the end of that, you know, we Googled it because I think that the internet can be a really interesting place to explore more. And that's how a lot of adults find things out now. Mm -hmm. We're not going to the library so much. So saying that we don't find things out that way would be a bit of a lie, wouldn't it? (laughs) Because we've all Googled a lot of things. Oh, yes. And it doesn't mean that it needs to stay on the computer or that that's the whole journey, but sometimes it can help you along the journey. And I think obviously we need to be mindful of how we're using technology in general, because we've all seen the situation where an iPad comes out and there's, it's like fireflies, (laughs) they're all stuck to it. Mm. So we can also model how we use technology and say, you know, I'm not sure where to start. Where could I look? What books do we have on this topic? Do we have any? If we don't, where could we go? And see it as one of many options and not the only option. And then, you know, how do we use that information? Can we then make an experiment to find out more? 
can we do real life activities so it's not just on the computer or if you watch a video oh can we recreate that Mm. will that be the same in real life for us do we have different things so I think it can be helpful but just it needs to be mindful of how you're using it Mm. yeah game for the end of our episode of course we would usually do teacher would you rather but we did that then when we did the loose parts theory we had to bring an object and we had to guess what it was because it was about a loose part so we're going to play a game about being curious and i know guys thank you for being so uh, up for it and it's basically based on what you were talking about earlier about curiosity being a lifelong skill we all want to be lifelong learners and as adults we're still curious right i mean i'm curious about a lot of things definitely i want to play a game about what you're curious about i know so there are going to be three questions and i asked you guys and i did this as well uh, to answer the question about what you were curious about on these subjects and it's our task to guess who is curious about what? Exciting. Let's see how much we know each other. <laughs> okay, so the first question was, what country have you always wanted to go to and why? So here are the answers. First one says, oh, tricky question. The North Coast, 500 round Scotland, anywhere to see puffins in the wild or further afield, South America, Canada, Morocco. The list is endless. Okay. The next one is, I've always wanted to go to Brazil so I can take part in carnival. All the glitter and colour and singing and dancing looks like so much fun. And the last one, I would like to go to Mexico because I have friends from there. They are incredibly beautiful and historical places to visit and I love Mexican food. (gasps) Right. So we've got Brazil, Mexico and puffins. Who's... (laughs) There was a lot lot in that one. I just had to pick puffins. (laughs) Who, who likes what? Oh, I definitely know who's who. I think really? you're Carnival, Shana, and Louise's Puffins. You were Carnival. Like, you were like, oh, the singing, the dancing. I can totally see you in Carnival. I agree. And I know that you love some Puffins. <laughs> okay, yeah, I do, guys. I really want to go to Carnival. Like, oh my God. It's just like the park. I mean, I'm not like a, I don't go out. I don't, you know, stay up late. Like, I like my bed. But that, that looks like a party, right? It does. I think <laughs> you would be in there. And Yeah, I can see you pitch you there like you need to go stop need to take lots of pictures oh my god i, just, I so want to do it guys okay fact, i'd quite like to come too because it sounds really good fun <laughs> right i just it, it just sounds you like need a huge headdress as well oh you i'll make my own outfit i will make it we could do twinkle talks from there mm-hmm. twinkle talks carnival yes <laughs> let's do it and you have to say carnival like carnival like yes yeah. my favorite thing i've said it about six times i know right carnival. yeah <laughs> Well, then by process of an elimination, then, Julia, that must mean you want to go to Mexico. Mexico, yes. (laughs) (gasps) You have friends from there? Yeah, so I've met quite a few people from Mexico and they're always telling me about how beautiful it is and showing me places they visited. I'm like, wow, this country is just stunning. And obviously the Mexican food is incredible. Mexican food is great. (laughs) Like, what's your favourite Mexican dish? I can't decide. There's too many. That is a really hard question. One of my friends made me something. It's really fascinating. It was like a special 
sauce that you could only get there but it had something to do with like chocolate and then she made it with chicken and I was I just had no idea what was going on but it was delicious I'm gonna have to remember the name but it was so so good oh I like it I know every time they go they bring stuff back I'm like oh I have to try everything but Mm. there is something that is so weird and it's called clamato Uh and I find it bizarre because it's basically like a drink with clams and they put it in beer and I don't they made me try it and I'm I'm sorry guys I can't get this (laughs) one Yeah, clams and beer. It's not something I'd put together. but um, It's pretty unusual. Okay. I was curious and I tried it. Hey, <laughs> got the buzzword in there. Well done. Okay, so Lou, tell us about the puffins. I'm, oh, I'm really intrigued. Know, I found that question really hard and actually I obviously <laughs> didn't read it very well because I don't think I put why um I just blissed, I just got excited by the question yeah, yeah. and I was like I'd like to go all these places so I just love being outdoors so anything to do with wildlife puffins I just think they are amazing and there's so many places in the UK I could go and see puffins and I've just never gone so they're puffins in the UK yeah, you can go and see them in Northumberland and off the coast of Devon. And I did not know that. Yeah, so I really must. That needs to be an action. You point must for this do year. that. Top of the list. Yeah. Think of all the twinkle resources we could make about puffins. I know. Yeah, market it's market research. You need to do this. You need to go. Okay. Yeah. Right. Company will. Pay. We're sending you. So, <laughs> that's puffins, but then. I love turtles and I, mm. as as a young person I always wanted to go and help save the turtle eggs oh. at hatching time and then see them go into and the yeah the oh, the, those videos are make me cry yeah. every time when they release yes. them back into I the know. ocean I know and I just wanted to help and I've never done that either but you know it's not too late on the I'm list curious it's never too never late. too late guys let's 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 nurture our curiosity and do these things yes okay great great so that brings me on actually quite nicely to the second question which was what profession have you always wanted to try and why so the first one is I've always wanted to be a farmer I'm crazy about animals and I've always wanted to have pet pigs donkeys ducks and cows the second one is anything in nature wildlife explorer or something to do with conservation and the third one, I'm curious about lots of professions, but would really like to try woodworking. I love using my hands to make things, and I think it would be fascinating to create designs out of wood. So, farmer, conservationist, or woodwork, who's who? So, I'm going to go and say, I think Shana might be the farmer. Yeah, me too. I mean, that was obvious. I love pigs. <laughs> Everybody knows. I love pigs. Okay, I just shouted from the rooftops. I love pigs. I want to be on a farm. I want to grow my own food and have pet animals that moo at me and, and give me cuddles. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Moos and cuddles. And I dream. can I can also see Julia doing woodwork. See, that is well exciting. You could work together. You could <gasps> you make could, things. Yeah, I'll be in your shed <laughs> making some woodwork. You could make me some like troughs. That does not sound clamorous Ooh, at all. It would be like a really fancy trough. <laughs> I've never seen a wooden one. <laughs> like they're all those. Uh, oh my god, you can make a fancy trough for my farm, babe. And then engrave the pigs' names. Oh my god, stop! And they could have their little stalls, and you could like engrave their names on the doors yeah. and everything. Okay, so this is happening. So that means <laughs> Lou. That means you're my gardener. 
Yeah. And wildlife explorer. Yes. Anything outdoors, I am all about it. So we're all going to quit our jobs and we're going to make a farm <laughs> and we're going to just have our own little business, right? That sounds perfect. Living the dream over here. This podcast has just turned into us making our dreams real. I mean, like, <laughs> let's live our dreams. Why not? <laughs> Although I'm pretty, I'm enjoying our current roles talking about this. <laughs> I mean, this is also true. Like, hey, what other job do you get to talk about this stuff? But also, this is the joy of being an early years teacher because these are the conversations I have with my kids. Exactly. But I do think as an early years teacher, you probably would have experienced Experienced woodwork, farming, gardening. Yeah. We just want more of that in our lives. (laughs) We practiced it. We've practiced it. This is so true. Now we just need to perfect it. Oh, guys. Guys, I love it. Okay, final question. I wish this round wouldn't end. I actually really, this is one of my favorite games we've ever played. <laughs> People should ask each other as well. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should ask the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes. We want to know what you're curious about. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we'll do that actually. I like that idea. Okay, so the last one is what language have you always wanted to speak and why? So the first one is I'd like to speak Spanish or Mandarin to travel to different places that speak those languages and to be able to talk to them. Uh, the second one is Spanish. <laughs> the third one is Mandarin. <laughs> we all <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so basically, we've all picked the same few. But there wasn't any explanation. Oh, sorry. Uh, so Spanish, yeah, there was no explanation. So Spanish, congrats. Mandarin, oh. <laughs> sorry, I got carried away. It does have an explanation. It says, the characters and structure of the language is so different to English, and I find that really interesting. Shut up. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, I've just given the game away. Like, I'm a linguist. I like being a detective still and pretending that, you know, yeah. I did a great exploration. And yeah. found it was no, I mean, what have we learned from this game? Louise doesn't really read the questions. <laughs> <laughs> See? And we would never have learned that if we weren't no, curious. But I just got very excited <laughs> by That's the so sweet. <laughs> that I just wrote down exactly... <laughs> what I wanted to do and there was no there was no fuss about it I just no. want to do that but this is it this is how we learn about how other people interpret things as well like you you have answered the question differently to how we have as well and I think also obviously I can see the answer to the question so I can read them and by just by reading them I know who's said what it's also about how we process things as well Lou you just straight to the point you're like I don't need a why this <laughs> I am so excited about it. I can't give one answer either. Although I did (laughs) on the last one. I was just Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, that one, Spanish. But the others, I was like, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) No, I love it. Why do you learn Spanish? Why do I want? Well, because I have learned a little bit of Spanish from school and I found it really tricky, but I just wanted to get better at it. And then obviously I've left school and I haven't continued that. So I think I'd love to pick that back up again because I go to quite a few places that would have spoken Spanish and I would have liked to be able to communicate a bit more. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm really interested in Mandarin. So I think, Julia, you are as well. Why, why, why are you interested in Mandarin? I think it's so fascinating, like what you said about the characters, that it's so different. You know, the sounds that are made, the way that it's written. It's just, I find that so fascinating that we're all human and yet communicate in such a different way. Right. I, I mean, that is fascinating in itself. And it would just be so amazing to learn those languages and be able to talk to such different people yeah. as well. And also, you know, every language has its own sayings and, you know, own special words for special things. And I just think that is fascinating as well. Like linguistics is 
really interesting. Linguistic nerd here too. High five. Yeah. Doesn't make me any better at language. I mean, no, but at least we're curious <laughs> and we're we're keen. Keen and curious is all you need in life. You know what I could have answered? What? What language would you like to speak? I was going to say like animal language. Oh, oh that would, I mean, yes. I mean, there's no, like you say, realms of possibility. Let's do it. Let's learn how to speak dolphin. I don't know. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. wow. Judy yeah, speaks yeah. dolphin. <laughs> you hit that. Well, that was a party trick. I just think like Aussie can understand loads oh, yeah. of language. And he's got all these toys. And he knows when I say chicken, he goes and gets his chicken. When I say pig, he knows to go and get his pig. Have you seen those buttons? <gasps> I was just about to done. say on TikTok, you need to follow someone. That's Ironically, fancy. their dog is called Ozzy as well. Oh, that's oh. weird. Isn't it? And she's got like this mat of buttons. <laughs> oh, it's not Ozzy, it's Otto. Uh, I'm sure she calls him Ozzy as well. I still anyway, watch it. <laughs> and, and she, on this dog has learned how to communicate. And I mean, sentences as well. well not like obviously the sentences mm. that we use, but simple phrases and things using buttons to communicate with each other it's yeah. mad i'd love that yeah. i mean ozzy understands me so well if i say ozzy go and do a wee wee he will go and do a wee wee and if i say ozzy go and do a poo he'll go off and do wow. a poo well trained <laughs> he just understands me and i say it in a sentence and he understands it yeah is it how i'm saying it is it mm, that I he needs know. to go so actually i've given him permission <laughs> is he just a constant like poo machine so it doesn't matter what you say it's just coming it's out fascinating because we nearly have finished our walk and he hasn't gone because he's on the lead he hates going on the lead oh. and i'll let him off the lead just momentarily and he'll go off and, and he'll come back do you know i'm impressed that anybody animal or human otherwise can actually poo on command I, that is a skill i do not have like vets have always said to me i've never heard of such a thing <laughs> No, it really is. I think that's what everyone wishes they had. Right, he has mastered his gastrointestinal system. He needs I mean, to like... <laughs> it's pretty nuts though. It's, it's pretty nuts because I thought that was something that cannot be mastered. He needs to teach us what's going on. See, this is what I mean. We're curious. We need, maybe there is a way that we can do this. You know, maybe in the future, someone who's listening to this podcast is going to find a way to, to, to master pooping. Well, that was a great end. I, I'm very impressed with how that uh, this this episode. You didn't think it was going to end that way. Did I, you? I, I'd be honest. This is not where I thought we'd land, but I'm really <laughs> proud that we did get here. It's been awesome. Thank you for coming. You girls are amazing as always. You are knowledgeable and hilarious, which is basically what this podcast is all about. And I look forward to further conversations. But I hope you have lovely days, and I'll I'll see you next time. I'm sure. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Shana. Lots of love. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. I mean, who knew we were going to go from talking about curiosity and ending with them um, talking about loose dogs bowel movements? I mean, look, this is the fun of early years. It goes anywhere, doesn't it? But it's been really fun. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us today. If you want to learn anything more about nurturing curiosity and the topics that we've talked about today, Julia and Lou have made some really cool documents and resources to help you understand, help you implement, and also train your staff as well. So I will pop a link to those resources in the episode description as well. But for now, I hope you have a wonderful day and that you feel inspired to be more curious. Bye for now.
So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to get involved or would like to know more, come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and TikTok account. All of the details will be in the description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.